Well, good morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. Always good to worship with you and good, good to see you here. Uh, before we begin our worship, just a few things to remind you of. Reminder that our chili cook-off is tonight at 5.30. Uh, you're invited to bring a pod of your secret recipe chili. Or if you're not interested in that, you're invited simply to come eat with us and hang out with us. Uh, there was some concern expressed about this conflict, so this conflicts with the playoff game. So have the big TV screen up. We will be broadcasting the game, so you won't have to miss anything if you come. Uh, but come hang out with us, enjoy some chili with us. Uh, also, you'll notice your newsletters are in your mailboxes. Pick them up if you haven't. Lots of good reading material this week. Uh, Jen did a really awesome job writing an article on the window here. She's going to go around and tell us about some of these windows and the people that are mentioned there and, and some of the history. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed reading that. Uh, I think you will too. So make sure to pick up your newsletter and check that out. Uh, reminder that Bible study will continue on this Wednesday. We will look at 1 Peter chapter 2 together and study God's word. Are there any other announcements for the congregation or any prayer requests that we should know? Yeah, Kathy. Um, I'd like a prayer request request for Tom Blair, please. For Tom, um, yeah. We got Judy. Uh, Frank Ackerman and Sam Hager. So Frank and Sam. there are no other requests, then I'll invite you to take a moment to prepare your hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude.
congregation. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you, Father, and Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Holy God, you confound the world's wisdom in giving your kingdom to the lowly and the pure in heart. Give us such a hunger and thirst for your justice and perseverance in striving for peace, that in our words and deeds the world may see the life of your Son, Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. A reading from Micah. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring fountains of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what way have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Berah, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Galgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression to the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God? The word of the Lord. We'll read responsibly Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your tabernacle, who may abide upon your holy hill. They do not slander with the tongue. They do no evil to their friends. They do not cast discredit upon a neighbor. They do not give their money in hope of gain, nor do they take bribes against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be overthrown. A reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than, the, than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus climbs up on a mountain overlooking the crowds, and his disciples come to him, and he begins to teach them. And so these teachings, which go on for three chapters, come to us to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. In the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount comes a list of blessings now known to us commonly as the Beatitudes. And that word Beatitude in English sounds like two words, be and attitude. However, it's important as we get into the text to remember that really nothing in these Beatitudes has to do with attitudes. The word Beatitude it's just another word for being blessed. In fact, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they sometimes use that term, beatitude, as a title for their bishops. Beatitude just means blessed one, blessed one. And so the beatitudes that we get in Matthew chapter 5, it's simply a list of who are blessed in God's kingdom. Who are the blessed ones in God's kingdom? And so it's this text has been kind of misread and misapplied for centuries. And I think people have missed so often the spirit of what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. Because Jesus is not giving us a list of virtues to aspire to here. He isn't telling us, become poor in spirit, become a mourner, become meek, become hungry for righteousness, and so on. In fact, Martin Luther, who loved this chapter and he loved preaching on this chapter in the Beatitudes said that these verses were some of the devil's favorite verses. And he said this because in his day, he saw people read the Beatitudes as a way to earn God's favor. He saw that people were reading these verses and they were becoming monks and nuns to separate themselves from the world in order that they might become these things so that God would bless them. And Luther believed that this was a distortion of what Jesus was really saying. In fact, he said these Beatitudes are first and foremost about the comfort of God's promises. They're not about new behaviors for you to pursue. They're not meant to be read as conditions for a transaction. You act this way, and then God will bless you in this way. And so these are really all about who God is blessing by the coming of Christ into the world. Who is God pursuing? Well, God's pursuing the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted, the reviled. 
These are the people that Christ has come to save. And what do these people have in common? Well, these people are not people of high status in the world. These are not people of great achievement. You might remember, going back to your school days, the dread of being the last picked in a game of dodgeball in PE class or being the last picked for a scrimmage at practice. And that feeling, of course, of being the last pick is one of the most dreadful feelings in the world. Right? You're not seen as valued. It makes you feel forgotten in this world. And so to read the Beatitudes correctly, I think it's important to feel that feeling or to at least sympathize with that feeling. Because that is often how the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, and the peacemakers feel in this world. That is, that they are alone in a world that values all the things that they are not. And so when Jesus says, blessed are those people, he is saying, God sees those people. God sees you. When Christ comes, he is coming for the unseen and the ignored. He's coming for the lonely and the forgotten. So what Christ does then is that he offers a promise to these people who are so often forgotten, overlooked, or ridiculed in the world. He says that these people will possess the kingdom. They will inherit the earth. They will receive mercy. They will be comforted. They will see God. They will be called children of God. Their rewards will be great in heaven. And there are no conditions in this list. Jesus doesn't say, if you act meekly, then you'll inherit the earth. Instead, he states it as a kind of reality that it is. This is who is inheriting the earth. This is who will seek God, and so on. These are meant to be read as unconditional promises. And Jesus makes these unconditional promises because he himself makes these promises true for us. Each of the blessed states that Jesus lists here in Matthew 5 is a state that Jesus lives out for us, that he fulfills for us. When we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus is the true peacemaker. Jesus is the one who is meek. Jesus is the one who is truly pure in heart. He is the one who is reviled. And he has all the rights to share the kingdom with us and to bring us into the presence of God. And so because Christ has lived a perfect life, because he has been the reviled one in this world, we can trust that his promises will apply to us, that his word is true. And so the good news of the Beatitudes is that all these blessed promises are true for you. So maybe you don't consider yourself meek, right? Maybe you're kind of loud. Maybe you talk a lot. Maybe you don't consider yourself a mourner. Maybe you don't consider yourself pure in heart. Maybe you're not persecuted for following Jesus. But remember, this is not a list about how to live. This is a declaration of what God is doing for us in Jesus Christ. He is making all of these promises true for us. On the other hand, maybe you do recognize these states in yourself. Maybe you are one who is mourning or, or who has mourned. Maybe you are hungering for righteousness. Maybe you are meek. Maybe you are merciful. Or maybe in this world, you just feel like the last picked. You feel like no one sees you. 
You might realize that so much of the world is changing and it's out of your control. Maybe you don't hear from your kids or grandkids as much as you would like. Maybe you're struggling financially or emotionally. Maybe you're struggling with some physical ailment. Maybe you struggle to believe at all and have a hard time coming to church. Maybe school is difficult. Your teenage years are challenging. In all of those cases, in all of those difficulties, the promises of the Beatitudes are meant for you. These are the promises given to all of those who trust in Christ. These are meant to be gifts for everyone who doesn't quite feel at home in the world. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are times where none of us feel at home in this world. There are times when we all feel alone and forgotten. There are times when we know that we're powerless. There are times where we're certain that we're failures. We are all subject to the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our own hearts. But Christ wants you to hear that these promises are for you. He wants you to know that you will be comforted. You will be filled with good things. He wants you to know that you have a place in God's kingdom, that you will see God, that you will receive your reward in heaven. And so Jesus wants you to live courageously in this world, not because you're going to have it all figured out, not because it's all going to make sense and be easy. As Jesus notes here, living as a Christian in this world is never going to be easy. But he wants you to live courageously in the knowledge that these promises await you. They're sure. They're unconditional. These are the things that Christ has won for you. And that's how he wants you to get through your days, trusting that his word is true for you, trusting that these promises apply for you. And so he invites us to trust in his word of promise more than everything in this world. That's what we see in the Beatitudes. We don't need to trust in the riches of the world. We don't have to forget our mourning or our grief and try to be happy for the sake of getting along in the world. We don't have to be harsh and ambitious. We don't have to buy, try to be contentious in order to earn a powerful status in this world. Jesus is telling us that none of that really matters. What really matters is that you are seen by God. You are so loved by God that he sent his son for you so that trusting in him, you might have life. Bonhoeffer writes of the, Be of the Beatitudes, clearly there is one place and only one, and that is where the poorest, meekest, and most sorely tried of all men is to be found, and that's on the cross. The fellowship of the Beatitudes is the fellowship of the crucified. With him it has lost all, but with him it has found all. From the cross there comes the call, blessed, blessed. Where do we find comfort when we are forgotten? Where do we find comfort when we mourn? Where do we find comfort when there seems to be no place for us in this world? Where do we find mercy when no one else has a word of mercy for us? Where do we find the kingdom of heaven when this world offers us so little of lasting value? Well, the gospel gives us one answer, on the cross. We find the blessings in Jesus Christ crucified for us. The cross is the promise that he has seen you. He has not overlooked you. The cross says to you that there is no expectation of you except to receive what God has done for you. 
That's what makes you blessed. You are overseen so often in this world. You are so forgotten. You are often alone. You often feel that brokenness. But trust in what Christ has done for you. Because trusting in him is what makes you truly blessed. Amen. Together, let us stand and confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God of all wisdom, you tell us that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but it is your power to all who are being saved. Strengthen the faith of pastors and congregations that they would not turn to man-made wisdom, but boldly proclaim Christ and him crucified. Lord, in your mercy. God of all glory, make us meek before you. Remove our stubborn inclination to follow 
our sinful desires and strengthen us gladly to submit to your will as we await the day of the new heaven and the new earth. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you have given your firstborn for our sins. So strengthen all parents, grandparents, and guardians that the children in their care might learn to rejoice in you always. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord of Lords, you rescued your people from Egypt and confounded Balak, king of Moab, for their protection. Guide the decisions and actions of all earthly authority, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, that your people may live in peace and quietness. Lord, in your mercy. God of all truth, bless those who are reviled and slandered and persecuted because of your son. Strengthen them with grace, provide for all their needs of body and soul, and maintain in them the joy and gladness that in Christ their reward in heaven is great. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, you choose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Hear our prayers on behalf of all who are afflicted, especially Owen, Charlie, Marcio, John, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Lisa, Joyce, Jack, Tony, Tom, and Frank, and deliver them according to your will, and make use of their trials to increase their confidence in you. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, receive our thanks for the saints whom you preserved in righteousness, and purify our hearts by your grace, and strengthen us against all temptation, that we would look joyfully to the day when we will see you in your glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also
Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord.